Shalom! Welcome to Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine in which we talk about the news of the Jews. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined by Tablet senior writer Leah Leibovitz. Hello, hello. Hello. And back from vacation in Colorado, Stephanie Button. Hi. How's the altitude sickness? It's better now. Your, your head's cleared? Yep. Yep. And later in the show, we'll be talking with feminist writer Katha Pollitt, who is played by Patricia Clarkson in a new movie. And as our guest Gentile of the Week, comedian, musician, and podcaster Dave Hill. I think this is the first time that Katha and Dave have ever been on a show together. Do you think feminist pundit Katha think, Pollitt knows? Well, why are you calling her feminist pundit Katha Pollitt? She right because she identifies as a feminist. Yeah, but she identifies as a, a whole lot of other things. I mean, we could ask her. Zionist but... pundit Leah Leibovitz exactly. wonders like... why I'm calling her feminist pundit. <laughs> Fine, I'm I'm essentializing. I think the Stop plain white T-shirt is really giving you a sort of you know. You're like channeling your inner Brando today. You're also, really I've, feeling it. I've been reading William Finnegan's memoir of surfing, so I'm yeah, feeling you're, very you're totally. I'm yeah, very you're, West you're, Coast you're today. In the zone. It's August. Rabbis are taking some time off. Psychiatrists have gone to Martha's Vineyard, and we're getting in some late summer sinning before Yom Kippur atonement. Not a ton of news of the Jews over the past week. A couple minor league stories. The Forward, the venerable liberal Jewish newspaper, got a visa for one of its reporters to go to Iran. The first time in decades that a reporter for a Jewish publication has been allowed to enter. The reporter had to travel around with a government fixer and translator, but he says he got to decide whom he interviewed. Ed, this just broke. This was on my smartphone this morning as I was in line for my mochaccino that the, the sauna rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan Rosenblatt from the Bronx, uh, who was in some sort of hot water after the New York Times reported. Actual <laughs> hot water. Nice one. I didn't, I didn't mean that at all. I don't intentionally pun. The New York Times reported a few months ago that he had spent a career of having heart-to-heart talks with adolescent boys in the sauna after sweaty games of racquetball. They would be nude, maybe a little... A little sauna towel draped over them. Turns out he gets to keep his job. His board liked his vision for moving forward, which was, don't fire me. His vision was, forgive me, and uh, I'll keep growing your synagogue. Thoughts? Comment? I can't even. Yeah. You can't even. It's too early in the morning for for thoughts of of, of rabbis' members. Yeah. Okay, but let's turn to some other topics. A little news of the Jews before we get to our fabulous guests this week. First up, Jewish reggae rap superstar, a term that's deployed for many people. Uh, Matis Yahoo, born Matthew Miller in the Lower Marion uh, suburb of Philadelphia, was disinvited from a big Spanish reggae festival after he refused to answer questions about whether or not he supports a Palestinian state. Shockingly, none of the other rap reggae superstars, uh, the non-Jewish ones, were asked their views of Palestinian and Israeli politics, but he was, and he refused to answer, and he was then told, adios. Uh, Liel, why why should we care? Well, you know, I I, I believe in journalism, and therefore I I did a lot of reporting this week, and I got the actual, um, the actual questionnaire applied to Matisiao, and I think we should all take it. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. This? All right. So uh, the first question is: Do you consider yourself? This is again. This is the actual questionnaire of the Rototome Sunsplash Music Festival in Spain. From your deep um, sources inside from, the from Spanish reggae sources. reggae community. This is this is for you, uh, Mark. Do you consider yourself a a dirty Jew, <laughs> B, a filthy kike, or C, a money-grubbing heap? Uh, is, there, is, there, is there a D? D, all of the a above. D, all of the above. That's what Matisseau picked. Yeah. E, worldwide media conspirator. Second question. Um, uh, Israel's actions are uh, on A, on par with the, those of the Nazis, uh, B, worse than those of the Nazis, C, incomparably worse than those of the Nazis. I'm just going to say I'm glad we brought up Nazis because it's been like 
three whole minutes. It's and been we haven't re-edited. talked about That's them. Very, so, very true. So here, here's the amazing thing about the story. I think we're, we're starting a trend here, or they just started a trend here. Uh, like the SATs, this is going to be like the ASATs, the anti-Semitic aptitude tests. It's really kind of charming because this is really the moment in which the BDS movement completely begins to implode and show Wait, what... We should, so we should pause. The BDS movement, for us. those who don't know, is the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, which is uh, for those who um, are troubled by Israeli policies in Gaza, just speaking generally, um, the idea is that they will pressure institutions to pressure people to boycott uh, Israeli products, to divest from uh, companies that do business in Israel, Correct. and to impose sanctions on Israel. So BDS. So as, as the, the show resident, you know, Zionist correspondent, uh, so, so this is a movement that forever uh, tried to convince you that, hey, guys, we're not anti-Semitic, we're anti-Israel, and there's a huge gap between, you know, hating Jews and, and disliking Israel's policies, except for that's not at all true, as you see with this Matisyahu thing, because it's applied so far and wide, and it's such a huge double standard that's not applied to anyone. And I'm sorry, I- I'm loving this story. There's nothing greater for a paranoid than to like turn the corner and find out that someone's actually following you. That the monsters is, are real. This is a moment of great clarification. And this is a reggae music festival. And, and like, can't we all just chill out? Like, their their <laughs> the mandate is bizarre. You know, it's chill like out they support legalization of cannabis, and like there's like that. That's like an act. And how and great it's, that it's the Spanish. Like, yeah, and it's like, and Israel is like themselves. the one thing, they, like the one really geopolitical issue they're involved in. It's just like, it's just so all over the place. And Remember like, that Mel Brooks song about the Spanish Inquisition? You know, what's an auto de fe? It's what you oughtn't to do, but you do anyway. That's <laughs> what these guys are doing. It's a, an amazing Spanish Inquisition. But I feel bad for Maris Yahoo because that guy can't really catch a break. He was sort of the Hasidic Jewish rapper for a while. Then he Before sort of, that mantle passed to someone else. Yeah, right? you know, Drake. Uh, just kidding. It's like a really serious beef. Um, it's like the next Meek Mill. But um, he shaved his, he shorn his shore. Right, he locks. caught a lot of flack from his Hasidic brethren he when he, he lost had the a, look. Yeah, he really decided that the, this wasn't, you know, a lifestyle for him. He had sort of, cho- he had developed into Orthodox Judaism. He wasn't raised Orthodox. But then he shaved his whole, shaved everything, just only wore a kippah and then like his career kind of suffered in a weird way. Like he was just like, oh, he's that guy who kind of like he kind of like looked like Justin Bieber. Like he just looked different. And now, now this, I just feel bad for him. He's like a he's like a reggae Samson. Yeah, but he's been getting more press. I mean, not to be cynical, more press than he's probably ever gotten his and career also, like, since this like day music one. festival. Like we now also, know the, what it's the, called the Rototome Sunsplash Music Festival. Although I have to say, I'm I'm a bit pissed because Lee Scratch Perry, who's an amazing amazing musician and who's played Israel a bunch of times is headlining it uh, or headlined it yesterday. And and I sort of wish... You he think just... he should pull out? I think everyone should pull everyone out. Should Are pull you out. kidding me? So if I, you I... set a one, a single, single topic, you know, uh, litmus test and say, like, if you don't agree with this on us, you're disinvited. And, and particularly targeted festival. as a Jew, that's that's insane. Right. Now, that said, that said, Liel, you, you know you and I disagree on this. I think it is certainly possible to support boycotting, divesting, and sanction, divesting from and sanctioning Israel without being an anti-Semite. I do. I, th- I think there are people like boycotts are a perfectly legitimate means of protest. They've been used. I, I'm boycotting Liel's startup company, whatever it does. And, you know, it's fine. I mean, I know I know committed Jews who support BDS. I'm just saying categorically it's possible. Apparently not in the reggae community in Spain. <laughs> I give myself to you from the essence of my being and I sing to my God. Songs of love and healing are one, Mishiach now. Time and starts of feeling. What is this feeling? My love will be falling in a ceiling. 
Also this past week, a bunch of Hollywood Jews signed a letter in support of the Iran nuclear treaty. Signatories included Mad Men producer Matthew Weiner, architect Frank Gehry, and legendary TV genius Norman Lear, the man who brought us Maud. Stephanie Butnick, <laughs> who cares what these people think about nuclear policy? I also want to say that those are the only names I recognized on this list of Hollywood Jews, like none of most of which are like behind the scenes people. Like who's... agents. There are a lot of agents. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I know these names all sound Jewish, but like, where is my, you know, ScarJo? Like, where are my, my real Alicia names? Silverstone showing <laughs> Where are my, people whose opinions age? I really care about? Um, I'm, I don't, I want my actor, I want these actors to act. I don't really care what they think about world p- politics. And I just feel like someone was like, here, sign this petition. And I mean, it's great that these people have well articulated, I think, views on these things. But I just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I just want to go to the movies and not like think about geopolitics. You want to be able to watch Jenny McCarthy do whatever she no, does. No, I'm not. I don't without, watch Jenny McCarthy. Without thinking about vaccines. No, see, I guess it's, I don't, yeah, well, no. Yeah, where do you draw the line? What does a celebrity has to say or do for you to be like, fuck this guy, we're not, I'm not going to watch anymore? Well, like, I don't really like Mel Gibson. Yeah, you basically have to be Mel Gibson. I mean, that's that's probably where I draw the line. I don't think I could sit through, not that I've sat through a Mel Gibson movie in a while anyway. Nothing has the tempted Beaver. me. Is there a movie called The Beaver? Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah, okay. So, See, so that's, we... that's honestly, that's when I started really liking Mel Gibson. Not for the anti-Semitic rants, but if someone goes out of the car, looks at a police officer, and calls her sugar tits, that person's a weird genius. Like you want to hang, you want to see what else is inside that mind. I do not. I kind of. Really I think do. we've seen it, and it's not. It's the beaver. No, no, apparently. that's. I think it's just a beginning. I guess I, just, I guess I just don't like this wielding of like, oh, we are Hollywood. Like this is what we think, and it's like, okay. No, I I absolutely think that basically don't don't ask your rock stars for their views on Tibet, and don't ask your choreographers for their views on acid rain. The other thing is that I think this is particular game of poker that we're playing with the Iran deal is so incredibly funny. It's like, I see your 340 rabbis for the deal, and I raise you 520 social workers against it. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone is just coming up with these stupid lists. It's so great. All right. Finally, Straight Out of Compton, the new movie about the rise of the rap group NWA, features Paul Giamatti as Jerry Heller. Svengali, who led the rappers to prominence and kept a lot of their money. Liel, the Jewish producer who helps black artists get famous but then keeps their money, is kind of a stock character, no? I mean, the Chess Brothers in real life, Saul, whatever his name was in The Sopranos. Should we? Should the Jews be worried about this portrayal? Is Paul Giamatti as Jerry Heller bad for the Jews? Well, the, the portrayal is actually kind of... I mean, considering the fact that this movie was basically written by members of NWA, or in the case of Eze, you know, the, his wife... Um, the portrayal of Jerry Heller is actually incredibly complex and nuanced. Uh, it leaves no doubt that this was a really troubled character uh, that probably had some shady business dealings, which, you know, by his own admission, both in the movie and in real life, is the case. But it also shows the incredible tale of this kid who grew up in the Midwest uh, holding in his pocket at all times a Mauser gun that his grandfather or his father took from a dead German soldier in World War II. His grandfather, the scrap metal dealer, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, really, it's really awesome rough and tumble. Jewy immigrant story. This guy moves to L.A. right in real life, right? This guy manages or road manages or has something to do with basically everyone, you know, Elton John, a bunch of really famous artists. By 40, he's completely broke and living in his parents' basement. And he goes to his immense credit. He goes to this, you know, record-pressing place 
And he sees this 17, 18-year-old kid with a baseball cap and jerry curls and shades. And he listens to this thing, you know, cruising down the street in my 6'4", jogging the bitches, slapping the hoes. Which, by the way, I'd love to ask Kathy Pollitt what she thinks of that lyric. Um, and, and he realizes right away that Easy e is magic. Uh, and and that is something that you can never take away from him. And the movie doesn't. You know, the movie is very clear on the fact that he, from the very first, believed that NWA were supremely talented, which in fact they were. It should also be said that Paul Giamatti has that wonderful Italian look that can play Jewish. Yeah. And he gets these roles, you know, and he's good at them. Although he kind of implodes toward the second half of the movie. He moves from an actual human being to that Paul Giamatti thing of the <laughs> voice that goes. You know, he, he becomes like this hysterical, simpering little, you He'll know, He'll always moron. be pig vomit from he's, private he's parts vom- in, my, in my book. He's doing pig vomit. And, yeah. and it's a shame because Jerry Heller... Uh, who now I read some amazing portrait of him in Grantland the other day. He lives in some, you know, two bedroom house somewhere in California, uh, wearing like a tracksuit and yeah. porch sunglasses. Yeah, he, he with deserves... a with a with a, a metal trash tin with the Indians, the Cleveland Indians logo on right. it. Right. Yeah. But but you know he's a complex character, and the movie, which by the way is an amazing movie, uh, is really a great I think portrayal of of a complicated human being. But the show, I mean, the movie's not about him. The movie's about. These guys. The movie is about easy motherfucking E. I'm expressing with my full capabilities. And now I'm living in correctional facilities. Cause some don't agree with how I do this. I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist. I'm dropping flavor, my behavior is hereditary. But my technique is very necessary. Blame it on Ice Cube. Because he said it gets funky when you got a subject and a predicate. Add it on a dope beat and it'll make you think. People, we asked for mail and you sent it by the bucket load. Stephanie, do you want to give us some highlights called from the inbox at unorthodox at tabletmag.com? I would love to. Um, Okay, so Ariane Mandel of New York City took issue with guest Gentile Henry Alford's comments that Jewish men own more than one sweater, enjoy culture, and have broad culinary palates. Hi, Mark, and the rest of the tablet crew. She wrote, I have no idea where all these Jewish men who are cultured and enjoy food from other cultures reside. I am a 40-year-old single female New Yorker, and this is not this is the kind of person I am searching for. I am not suggesting that you set up a single service, and if you do, don't start it with Jay because you will get sued. But my personal observation is all the Jewish men I know don't remotely fit into this category. I like them whip-smart, funny, and able to rationally understand why Donald Trump sucks. Too bad my fake boyfriend, John Stewart, is taken. Jeremy Crohn's wrote from Flagstaff, Arizona, thank you so much for creating this podcast. I'm a Jew in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is a town <laughs> devoid of Yiddishkeit. Your podcast is helping with that, though. Now I get a good plateful of Jewish news, humor, and discussion in my week. I'm a farmer and a cowboy. Yeah, a Jewish cowboy. So podcasts keep me alert and informed during harvest and other field I'm sorry, could we introduce him to, to, the, to the other <laughs> to writer? Arianne. Well, that yeah. was our suggestion, he that he should invite like her to Flagstaff. Cultured. Does he, he have more her... than one cowboy sweater? <laughs> And he but must I have a I wide mean, palette. More than one pair of boots? Yeah. What, what was, I'm yeah. sure he does. He has Ariane, tons of boots. Ariane, meet Jeremy. Jeremy from Flagstaff. But not all the mail was positive. One Carrie Shapiro wrote to disagree with Mark's take on ultra-Orthodox schools in New York that do a bad job of teaching secular subjects. The segment on the Haredi school system was ridiculous. You are fine condemning these kids to a life of desperate poverty and government handouts. Your comments are simply uninformed and facile and not adding anything to the discussion. It's great to be cutting and critical, but it needs to be done with knowledge and compassion. You seem to want to come across as smart assholes, and that's not a bad act. But disturbingly honest takes a lot more homework. Finally, a note from David Garris, the founder of JSwipe, which, as you may remember, is being sued by JDate over the use of the letter J. He writes, 
I wish you would have accurately portrayed our user base. He said, noting that while JDate has 650,000 users built up over 10 years, JSwipe has reached 392,000 after about a year. Swipe right. Swipe right. Swipe right. Love you, JSwipe. If you have thoughts or comments, praise or criticism, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. We will take that as your permission to read it on the air. Keep them coming. If you want to send us a voice message we can use on the air, you can do it with your iPhone. Go to voice memos in the utility folders and record your answer. And then click the upward arrow under the play button and send it to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. There's some way to do this with an Android, but if you're using an Android, like, I, I don't know. I love how you explain this like you would explain like to your mother how to use a smartphone. I mean, that's exactly. Click the up click button. Click the up button. Now, now that's click That's how his send. daughter explained it yeah. to him. <laughs> Our first guest, our Jewish guest, half Jewish? Half Jewish. Which half? My mother. That's solid. Okay. Okay. That's all we need. Solid. But 100% awesome is Katha Pollitt, columnist for The Nation, author of Pro, Reclaiming Abortion Rights, which I read and loved, and also of the 2002 New Yorker piece, Learning to Drive, the subject of a new movie in which you are played by... Patricia Clarkson. And that's almost as exciting as Holocaust historian Deborah Lipstadt being played by Hilary Swank in an upcoming movie. Oh, my God. Like, Jewish... <laughs> like, they... This is pretty... I mean, Patricia Clarkson. Can't You can't get better than that. She is such a wonderful actress. When did, you were... Did you have a... I'm sorry, John, did, did you have a, a kind of... um. A, a betting pool in your own mind when you knew this was turning into a movie, sort of who's going to play me? Do you well, have like a top five list or top three? Well, Patricia was always the person who was most interested in making the movie. Uh-huh. But a long time ago, I thought I'd like to be played by Carol Kane. That would have been uh, great. That yeah. would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Did but, you watch Kimmy Schmidt? Um, no, I That's didn't. That's Carol Kane's greatest new uh, ne- The Netflix uh-huh. original series. Uh-huh. What's it actually called? Unbreakable the Kimmy Unbreakable Schmidt. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh-huh. It stars... Carol Kane. Oh, I and didn't know that. It's fabulous. Yeah. I was thinking of her back in Taxi right. Days. Well, that was great. Or, yeah. or Annie Hall. I mean, she's, but but yeah. you got to keep up. Yeah. What's it like being played by someone else? Well, you know, the movie is so different from my story. We should be clear. Your story is about? My story is about me learning to drive when I was 51 years old, after my boyfriend left me, and who had been doing all the driving. And, uh, so to so, speak. <laughs> yeah, he'd really. been driving a lot of women yeah, other than been, you. He'd been doing a lot of driving. So, um, <laughs> uh, so the story is, is quite different. Um, Wendy, my character, she's a book reviewer for the New York Times, which is a very different kind of writing than I do. She lives in a gorgeous brownstone on the Upper West Course. Side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as, and as you're wondering, like now, how do. does she afford right. that? As oh. left-wing yeah. poets, cool yeah. pundits tend yeah. to. And uh, she's a different kind of person than I am. The, the me in the story is, uh, is kind of sweet, naive, vulnerable. And Wendy is um, more Patricia Clarkson. She's um, brittle. She's, she has a, a lot more hostility in her character than I do. Um, and uh, she does some things in the course of the movie I won't tell you about that I would never do. You know, when I just dropped the whole idea that this really was a dramatization of what I wrote. It's another thing. And it's really wonderful. I really liked it. I saw it last night at the premiere. Um, and I thought it was really sweet. My daughter cried. So that's good. <laughs> I have a question about um, pro-choice politics. Um, the 
I read your book. I read Pro, Reclaiming Abortion Rights. And I read it at the end of a long reading project I gave myself. I, I was trying to read, like, what's been written in feminist thought since I was in college reading Backlash and The Beauty Myth, right? So when I was in college, it was Naomi Wolf uh-huh. and Susan Faludi. And I thought, I haven't read anything feminist since then. And I want to read something now. And uh, I ended up reading a couple dozen books. In You're getting four... a window into Mark Oppenheimer's inner life. Yeah, when I'm not Very personal life. When yeah. I'm not sp- spotting sociologist Todd Gitlin on the subway, I'm. <laughs> I enjoy doing, reading. I enjoy reading feminist uh, criticism, and a lot of it was really juvenile. And I'm not going to name certain authors, uh-huh. but you know, there's a tr- there are certain authors whose thing is let's get teenage girls into feminism, yes. and they tend to write books with a lot of gratuitous swearing and a lot yes. of like, you can do it, sister. Yeah. And then I read your book and I thought, well, here's a book by an adult. And <clears throat> I wonder, do you feel that there's a kind of um, do you know what I mean? That there's a, yes. a discourse that is that is so eager to pull in girls and young women that it dumbs stuff down. Well, I do think that there is a way of writing that is uh, has a lot of uh, cursing. It's very sexualized. It's totally imbricated in um, in pop culture and pop culture references. Um, and, you know, as a an older person who doesn't follow all these pop uh, pop culture, you know, I, I just think, you know, is the most important thing that happens in, you know, a given week um, that someone on the Internet has printed up a sexist T-shirt? There is a lot of that. Um, and I just think, you know, we, we don't want to lose sight of the of, you know, we want to keep our eyes on the prize, which is economic and social equality. And so I do think there's an awful lot of attention to things that really don't matter all that much. I mean, I'm on Twitter and my God, you know, <laughs> on Twitter, it's like. You're really good on Twitter, uh, by the really way. You really are. Oh, well, thank you. You're yeah. a serious tweeter. Well, yeah. I find tweet, tweet, Twitter fascinating. Um, but I find it partly fascinating as a social phenomenon that you just see, you know, you see alliances forming, you see them breaking down, and it's often over something totally trivial, something you, you know, subtweeting, you know, follow I love that. Subtweeting. Sub- it's what? amazing to follow. I know, I know. I actually um, don't know what that is. It's so. like if. <laughs> Katha Pollitt knows what subtweeting is, but I don't. Would you like to explain? Subtweeting <laughs> is when you refer to someone without using their name so that they won't find it. Like if I were to say, oh, and uh, there's a certain religion columnist who I find completely reprehensible. Mm. Um, Sam Friedman, or like you if there was like, Or if there was a phrase in one of your Times columns I that see. was yeah. sort of, and so we would like use it in a tweet and uh, not talk, not mention you specifically. And we'd it's be like, so high school. It's amazing. But yeah. so we're talking about reaching out to young women. And these are uh-huh. a lot of young women. You know, we grew up in an era where... Roe v. Wade was there, you know. Yes. We, we we took for granted a lot of these huge achievements that that the women's movement made, and we didn't don't really understand them. And so now, at a time when reproductive rights are threatened more than ever, I think in for at least for my generation, um, how do how do we engage young women? Well, you know, I get asked that question a lot, and I it always makes me think of all the young women I know that are actually doing the heavy lifting of the repro rights movement now. Um, You know, abortion funds, which raise money for abortion for poor women. Um, And they're local ones in most states. That's a young woman project, and that is a real hub of uh, feminist activism that extends beyond uh, simply raising money for poor women's abortions. So I I think the activists are maybe the best uh, activists we've ever had. They really know their stuff. And they make the activists of the 60s 
when I was their age, the 60s and early 70s seemed kind of amateurish. But, uh, but then there are all the other people that aren't so involved. And there, you know, I meet people. I meet people at pro-choice meetings who do not know, for example, that there's only one abortion clinic left in Missouri. Missouri's a big state. It's not like North Dakota. And they have a 72-hour waiting period. So, you know, if you're on one end of one side of Missouri, you have to go to St. Louis and you have to stay there for three days. So I meet people that you would expect to know all this and they don't. And I think that there is a level of general depoliticization where people really don't know what's going on. They, they receive the news in a very kind of um, disembodied, itsy-bitsy kind of way. They're not following it closely. And, you know, if they write a check to Planned Parenthood, that's really great. But that that's kind of the level of, of involvement. And I don't know what to do about that. I keep thinking, well, people are going to wake up. You know, I mean, people don't sleep forever. And uh, I think that the penny has yet to drop at how at risk abortion rights really are. So unfortunately, we don't have that much time. I have one final question, though, which is you you write as a as a pretty committed atheist. You've written a good bit about um, about atheism as an important cause or about religion as a problem. And I'm curious if you see um, certain religious groups as better or worse uh, than others. Is this a problem of the Christian of the Protestant Christian right when you think about, say, abortion rights? Or do you also is the Catholic Church just as bad? Do you find Jewish groups that are just as much the enemy or is it religion, you know, as a blanket problem for you? Well, I think with abortion rights in America, it, there's an alliance of the Catholic Church and the Christian right, um, evangelical fundamentalist Protestants that is quite powerful. I think they work together. Um, I'm not sure that there are so many Jews that are involved in this. I went to the uh, Right to Life March in Washington last year, and it was very funny because it's, it's, it's really a Catholic show. It's 95% Catholic. You can tell from the signs and the costumes and all this. But, the co- the costumes. Well, some people are wearing costumes. Um, the Virgin Mary is very big. Um, but on the side of the road are these two Jews. <laughs> these two Jews, you know, bearded men in their black and white, and they're holding up a sign. And I think, you know, Jews against abortion. And I think, oh, two Jews and, you know, thousands and thousands of Christians. So I think that this is not so far a big item for Jews because abortion has never been uh, totally banned in Judaism. That Jew, in Judaism, the fetus is a person when it takes its first breath. And the, the life of the mother always takes priority. And that's not true in Catholicism. It's the other way around. Next time you see the two Jews on the side, could you take a selfie with them and put uh. it on Twitter? <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us, Katha. <laughs> thank Katha. you so much for having me. I have it's homework really for you. Fun. Have you seen the YouTube video Mother Lover by the Lonely Island? No. Patricia Clarkson. It's her finest work. Okay. So go home and watch it. I will. All I right. will do that. Thank, thank you so much. Learning to Drive with Patricia Clarkson opens Friday. And now our beloved feature Gentile of the Week. Dave Hill. He's a guy who makes YouTube videos with Dick Cavett. He hosts a show on nonprofit radio. He does a couple podcasts. He's in several rock bands. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Not a Jew, right? Not a Jew. But, you know, I've been called an honorary Jew. Yeah. I have just one question. When we hear that you make YouTube videos and you host a show on 
low wattage radio right. or do podcasts. So where does all the money come from? Oh, well, you know, I do other things. I, you know, I'm doing a TV pilot now. I all write, right. write books. It's the books. The big money comes from the, the big books. Money you get straight to the, the money books. here. I, I don't think you're telling the truth. I think the money comes from Norwegian death metal. There's a bit of that. And I wrote the theme song to John Oliver's show on HBO. You know, it's a, it's quite an operation. It's an so empire. it all works out. For those that are um, looking uh, for an introduction to Dave Hill, if I may recommend, uh, really an unbelievable video uh, of you playing as a Norwegian death metal player in Times Square. Yeah. Together Norwegian with Naked black Cowboy. Metal. Black metal, sorry. That's all right. Uh, a lot of people make that mistake. <laughs> it's a very common mistake. Yeah. Uh, it's am- do, do you want to tell th- that story uh, or, or how it felt to shoot that? Because this is really one of the funniest videos. Oh, thanks. It, it's some People either really like it or, or don't like it <laughs> at all. But it, uh, we actually shot it a while ago. My friend Chris Lee and Tony Fask and I. We did this uh, web series with Phil Anselmo, the singer from Pantera and Down and Supergiant Ritual. He's, you know, he's uh, he's good at heavy metal and a, a fine young fellow. And we did this uh, web series together where he schools me in metal. And then we thought, like, oh, let's go make another video for fun, break up the day a little bit. And we actually shot it, as you can see in the video. It's much colder. We shot it a few months ago. I went to Times Square in corpse paint, like Norwegian black metal corpse paint, and just did my best approximation of playing black metal in the streets out of a little amp. <laughs> How did people react? Well, the most amazing They'd... thing is that there, there are all these characters in Times Square, these popular characters. It's like Elmo. And in the video, you see a Mario <laughs> standing there looking completely shocked at this yeah. phenomenon. It's so incredible. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh... And the interesting thing, though, is like they... We thought it would be we'd be hassled a bit for doing it, but you, actually, there's like a safe zone when you where you can yeah, you be were not Super the Mario. There. No, you can do whatever you want in Times Square. I guess. I mean, ironically, there was a time when you really could do whatever you wanted right. in Times Square. Now you can do whatever you want in a different way. Especially you know, if you're dressed as like a cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will never be the skeeviest person in Times Square. No, no. Well, it's harder uh, to really be skeevy in the old New York tradition in Times Square. but I do really miss the old New York. I, I was exposed to it when I was seven. Um, and I was here on vacation with my father. We were walking through Times Square. And these two prostitutes come by and say, do you want to have a good time? And my father sort of, you know, tagged along to hurry up and, and leave. And I didn't really understand why. I, I want to yeah. have a good time. <laughs> yeah. They look so friendly. Who would yeah. say no to that? Can I tell you something? The same thing happened to me and my yeah. dad when we were in New We came to New York when I was 11 for my 11th birthday. I wanted to see some Broadway shows, being me. Yeah. And uh, we were walking back to our hotel, and two prostitutes, I, I now realize, passed by. I said, hey, boys, want to have a good time? And same thing. He hurried me off, and no good time was had. No. Oh, no. no one ever has a good time at Times Square. But you remember that better than if, if he were to take you for chicken tenders at Applebee's now. <laughs> That's very true. So much better. That's a much more interesting memory. <laughs> Less of a good time. Um, yeah. So, you know, we always allow our Gentile of the Week the privilege to ask us a question or two uh, that only Jews can answer. What do you, what do you have for us? Okay, the question as I, as I wrote it, Given their neurotic similarities, why don't Jews drink nearly as much as Catholics, as best I can tell? I, I am, I, am I right about this? Uh, well, you know. I think you're right about this. I mean, I know I a lot know. of Jews who drink. But we don't have the, like, drunken 
uncle no. tradition that look i grew up in irish catholic town i'm from springfield massachusetts and my friends who had drunken uncles like the family drunk was a a catholic thing right not a jewish thing well why is why is that? i think i have an answer i mean consider jewish history you know that is not the kind of history that lends itself to drinking imagine I would, you know, I would say it definitely is. Yeah, no, like, no, no, but imagine, imagine for example, you're, you're, you're <laughs> Otto Frank, right? And you right. just heard that the Germans are on their way. you got to make it to the attic fast. And you knock on your daughter's door. Of course this is going and, to the Holocaust. And Anne <laughs> is plastered on Zimas <laughs> with her friends, right? They're completely drunk on light, being like, I, I don't know. Like, the Nazis are kind of cute in the uniform. <laughs> like, you don't like want to be that. I like you're saying Anne Frank would drink Zimas. Of course she I would. I think she's you a, know, a, be a believer Chardonnay and she would drink. Gale. But uh, you, you just need to be able to run very on, on, a, on, a, on a dime's notice, you know? Uh, right. Dime, but my, I would argue once you get safely to wherever, then you crack a few open. Isn't that the relax. whole thing? They tried to kill us. We. One, no, let's, let's it's eat. not let's eat, but it's yeah. actually let's drink too. Like I, I feel like my family. I don't know. I grew up in a very Jewish area, um, Long Island. What up? The Island. <laughs> I all of our family, you know, holidays. They were just like really fun, rowdy. There's a lot of drinking. But did your dad or mom like come home and unwind with a drink every day? No. Right. Like no, none of my rel- no. none of my relatives do that. I'm a third generation alcoholic, so this is a really easy I'm not question saying, for me. Three G. Yeah, I mean some some of you are doing your part. Yeah, I will uh, say no, I'm doing, not, and I, we're doing more than others. We have to right. carry the Oppenheimers and the Butniks of this world. So my when my mother was uh, she did her freshman year at Penn State, and she knew farm girls, Gentile farm girls who came to Penn State, and their mothers had said, "Get yourself a Jewish husband because he won't drink and he won't hit you." So and I, Reasonable. I, I'm just saying it's a thing, and I think it's an it's an achiever culture. I, I bet I'm, there aren't a lot of Asian American alcoholics as well. I think it's it's an achiever culture. I think in Israel, Liel, yeah, they can be drunks. They've won. <laughs> they have no more concerns. Like, They've the no more done. Great. No one bad nothing. ever happened to anyone, any Jew <laughs> living in that country ever again. By the way, I'm not encouraging. Like I, I'm not saying like, oh, you guys should drink a lot more. Generally speaking, I mean, I think it's better actually. To not. not. Okay. And what but, else uh, do you have for us? Let's go. Well, let's go with the Hasidic guys. Um, you always see them wearing the black suits and like it's sort of a, almost a uniform. Why not? If you're going to wear a black suit and like a, a white shirt and everything and a Stetson, why not get like a killer black suit and have it like really <laughs> well look like a badass instead of like a schlub? You know? Yeah, everyone could just do like one really nice black suit and be done with it. Or if you want to have more, just like, that looks great. Do you want five the, of those? The real answer is going to disappoint you. They're trying to look like they're the founder of their court in 18th century Poland. No, but I think, I think it's isn't more that, than that. Isn't that it? I think it's more than that. Yeah, but that doesn't answer the question, why not look like a good version of that right. 18th century The rabbi. best tailored version you know, of that. Have you ever tried moving around in the city in the summer in a suit for more than like 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like, what's the point? You could buy the nicest, you know, Armani. You're still going to be I'm a sweaty, crumpled get, mess. No. No? I'm not even saying get the Armani suit. You can go... This is my... this. You know, now this is my advice to any man. Anyone who's wearing a suit. If you get any suit, go to H&M. Just throw a couple of extra bucks at it. <laughs> get it properly tailored for yourself. And you'll be the best dressed guy in the room, no matter what suit you have. And I'm, that's what I'm saying, like... If you're going to wear the suit, just 
wear the suit. You I don't think there's something do dope right. in like Shlomo style that you're so like frumpy, you don't give a fuck. Well, you're I just think, yeah, the whole DJ Rolling down thing. the street in the or 6'4", you know? I think the idea <laughs> is that they yeah. don't prioritize like the way they look and it's sort of right. like we are so pious that we actually don't, it's sort of like a Buddhist thing. I don't know, it's like we don't, like the way we look is not our priority, but I mean, I agree. No, the it's not is poorly the tailored suits are but I gotta the say, you, well, well you you should for. spend some more time in like Williamsburg because there are some of the and I forget which of the groups it is. Some of them have like the the what are the, the garters? What are the the stockings? Oh, the tall silk that. stockings with the knickers. Yeah, I've seen that. And then they have the That's beaver the look. beaver strimal that beaver hat. Also strong. I mean, there's some strong moves, and I just feel oh, like. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Finish the job. You're almost there. <laughs> so close. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like they're wearing like flip flops and uh... right. We're the schlubs here. They're yeah, at least you guys. Yeah. There's no yeah. hope. Say, there's nothing can be done. Pink shorts and a Godzilla T-shirt. Yeah, like, these guys are worlds apart. Yeah, they're, they're almost there. They need just like you know, taper, hem, whatever. Tuck your shirt in. So I got I got two final bullet point questions for you. Number one, we had that moment when Katha Pollitt was leaving and you were coming in where you said you were going to have her on your show. Is, Will you have Katha Pollitt that, on your show? I would love to. Is that stealing, though, from you guys? No, no, no. We want you to have... That would be awesome. I, I would love hear, it. Yeah. I want to hear we're Dave Hill. In, that's, a sh- that's a shidduch. Can you say shidduch? Shidduch. <laughs> it's pretty good. The second is you have, like, several podcasts going. Well... One is currently... One is current, and the, the other one I technically is still going, but I haven't What's done the it one we should listen year. to? Well, listen to the goddamn Dave Hill Show, which is a radio show on Monday nights from 9 to midnight on WFMU, also available on iTunes as a podcast, or you can stream it in the archive at WFMU.org or on the WFMU app. I'm going to listen to the radio. I'm old school. Do it, yeah. yeah. Um... Dave Hill, thank you so much. You'll thank come back. Thank you so much. Next yeah, time you're I live playing right music, down the street. You're going to write a special song for us next Norwegian, time. I, your Norwegian, theme song, uh, yeah. Black metal style, please. I, I would love to. And I do. I live right down the street. I could come here uh, on semi, semi-daily, whenever you need me. Okay. Five-minute notice. Okay. So we now have to do our prayers of the week. and that, So just sit here for this. Okay. Okay, uh, okay my prayer of the week. I'm, I'm giving the guest sermon at my synagogue Saturday. And uh, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I'm no praying pressure. it goes well. This week's portion that I have to preach on mentions Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon. And it just made me think the Torah is a George Lucas movie. I love how you're dropping names like, oh, Sihon. Sihon, the king of Heshbon. That's that's a character from Empire Strikes Back. Right? Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, so I just pretty Game of Thrones to me. I'm just praying it goes well. Liel? I pray that this uh, high holiday season, the phrase shofar cockfight popularized by a wet-hot American summer first day of camp, will be on every young Jew's lips. So far, cockfight. Stephanie? And I pray our man, Matthew Miller, a.k.a. Modest Yahoo, gets to play his music somewhere. And, you know, even though he supports Israel and is Jewish, someone just lets him play his music. If he plays it without I want that guy to catch a break. Unorthodox is a production of Tablet Magazine, produced by Julie Subrin, with expert assistance from Sarah Ivry. Rabbinic supervision this week is by Rabbi Bernie Sanders. Our website is tabletmag.com. Our music is by Golem, at least until Dave Hill writes us a theme song. I'm on it. Super big gratitude to tablet intern Jazz Chana, who wrote some killer pieces in this week's magazine. Get our newsletter with extra links, inside jokes, and lots of Jewish street cred. You can sign up for it at tabletmag.com. It's like a weekly call from your mother. It comes whether you want it or not. 